0: Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome Welcome to to Los Angeles. Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. Cute. That's cute.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dandruff man or woman or non-binary person? Dandruff. It affects us all. Does it though? I mean, okay. It affects 50% of the population which is a lot. I feel like that's more than I thought. I admittedly don't have dandruff and I've never had dandruff.
0: I have not had dandruff before. I've had like what I thought maybe it was dandruff of like overuse of shampoo and like not you know uh, washing it out properly. Mm. But I know many people in my life who suffer from dandruff.
2: It is very common like we said which is why we wanted to get an expert on the subject. So I think like maybe we touched on scalps with Dr. Samulitis when she was on a few years ago. We didn't go in depth at all, but she was like, I'm a dermatologist, I do skin. So everything from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet is like something that I would cover. And I'm like, oh, that's so funny because I just never thought of it that way. Totally,
0: like especially like, you know, Kirby – When we were like reporting about, you know, scalp care and, or we still do, but like back in the day, if we needed to speak to someone who was an expert, we would immediately think in our heads to talk to a hairstylist, right?
2: Yes. Not like a derm, but
0: like actually no.
2: I actually think I asked Dr. Samuelitis I think I was like straight up, what kind of doctor do you go to for scalp? (laughs) And she's like, me, actually me. I'm like, wow, okay. I really am learning so much people just don't think about their hair. Sarah, we talked about this. There's that TikTok of that young lady who's like, did y'all know that your hair grew out of your scalp and not the end of your hair? And like people were making fun of her, but she actually makes a valid point because through marketing, you've been told that, you know, if your hair's not growing, it's because you have dead ends. So of course, naturally, Getting regular haircuts, getting trims, getting rid of your split ends will help your hair grow. So
0: yeah, no wonder she thought that.
2: Yeah. She's like, wait a minute, what? So I don't fault her, this fucking microphone, (laughs) I swear to God. I'm just going to hold it. I'm just going to hold it. I'm like... um, (laughs) You're like uh, singing (laughs) in a recording studio. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid. Anyways, we have a fantastic guest, a ray of... Mfing sunshine, if I do say so myself. Listen, guys, I thought this was going to be like a super serious conversation about dandruff because it does affect so many people's lives in a negative way. Dr. Robinson gave us hope and she did it and educated us with a smile on her face. Dr. Caroline Robinson, she is a dermatologist. She's founder of Tone Dermatology in Chicago. She's a board certified medical and cosmetic dermatologist Her specialty expertise is in alopecia, preventative care, and ethnic skin dermatology. She's a graduate of Cornell University and the University of Louisville, where she obtained her medical degree. And she works with amazing organizations like Skin of Color Society, Women's Dermatologic Society, as well as the American Academy of Dermatology. And she just so happens to be a partner of Neutrogena. Neutrogena is launching some scalp care products that she's going to talk to you more about. So if you are experiencing dandruff or just want to take care of your scalp in a more serious way, there are a few options out there for you that are affordable, which we're all about on this podcast so enjoy this episode and if you have further dandruff questions please call the hotline send us an email or a dm so we can try to answer them in an upcoming episode dr robinson from i mean is it sunny chicago right now like i feel (laughs) like i don't even know what the weather is anywhere at this point (laughs) <laughs> from blistering cold Chicago. <laughs> I was like, is it snowing, but sunny? Is it cold, but there's like some sunlight? I don't know. Well, we're thrilled to have you on Los Angeles. Thank you so much for taking the time to walk us all through dandruff We were mentioning earlier, we've never just straight up had an episode dedicated to dandruff, and it's something that affects so many people. And it's, like, something that people are embarrassed about. Like, I have a feeling this episode, people may not, like, share it prominently on social, but they'll be, like, sending it privately to their friends. Like, okay, FYI. (laughs) I
0: feel like it's something, too, that happens, like Kirby said, to everyone. But it's also something that's, like, difficult to solve, like, where is it coming from? How do I stop it? Or, you know, you finally will, but then like a couple months later, it comes back. And so it's like this never ending problem. So like Kirby said, we're so thrilled to finally have an expert on to tell us what
2: exactly we need to be doing to our scalps. Totally. So before we get into the discussion, we want to ask you, Dr. Robinson, what's on your face?
1: Oh, (laughs) well, a lot today. (laughs) Usually I try to keep things pretty light. But today I, I was recording a couple of things. So I have some makeup on. I'll just say that like, for me, the biggest thing that has made the hugest impact in my skin has definitely been using topical antioxidants. So I'm like an antioxidant snob <laughs> and I'll rotate through like a new one probably every three to six months. And so right now I'm really loving this one by Isden, which is a brand out of Barcelona and they make a topical vitamin C that has melatonin in it as well. It's called melatonic. It feels like almost like it's trying to be an oil, but it's not greasy. You know, when you put it on your skin, it just feels really light. And I think that my skin has been more glowy since using that.
2: (laughs) Ooh, that's a good recommendation. Isden is getting a lot of love lately on the pod. And I
1: didn't know that they were from Spain. Yeah, me either.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And they actually, I think, like started out or they have some history in the fragrance industry. So a lot of their products have like a very light, like not distracting and not irritating, but very, very light scent. So it definitely is a scent experience.
2: <laughs> Ooh, yes. Sarah and I, are, yeah, we're we're pro-sensorial stuff over here. Like let us enjoy putting this on our face, please.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Like, we'll put the hot dog water on our face, but we would prefer a nice experience if possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Dr. Robinson, you specialize in alopecia, preventative care, and ethnic skin. Can you share with our listeners what made you passionate about these categories? How did you get into what you're doing now?
1: Oh, yeah. So I like to say that these areas of dermatology found me. I didn't, I didn't like seek them out. I think that there is a huge need, especially with alopecia, with hair loss for doctors who can dedicate their time to helping those patients because it's not just the diagnosis. My rooms, it's almost like a therapy session. I have to have the tissues. We have to talk about how this has impacted their life. So I think that my personality traits allowed that area of dermatology to find me because I am very patient. I don't know, maybe my husband would argue different. (laughs) But I think generally, I'm a good listener and very patient. And so that is very helpful because there are details in someone's history and someone's journey in their life with their hair that are very relevant to when it comes to treatment.
2: I would probably add, you have a lot of empathy to to be able to take on stuff like that. Because as difficult as it is for the person that's experiencing it, like you constantly having to take that energy with your Mm -hmm. patients, like you have to have a lot of empathy for someone to keep accepting that type of energy into your life day after day.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: I love that those are your specialties. You also deal with dandruff. And I think a lot of people are probably thinking, wait, you go to a dermatologist to figure out dandruff? I remember at one point when my dermatologist was like, your scalp is skin. Like, why would I not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> why would I not try to help you with this? I'm like, oh my God, wait, what? Like, pfft. <laughs> especially in the industry, in the beauty industry, those are different categories, right? Like hair and skin are separate. Scalp is under the hair category for most people. So can you just baseline what is dandruff and like, what is it a result of like what's actually happening when you have dandruff?
1: Yeah, I I think how you laid that out was so interesting too, because, you know, we have like our hairstylists and maybe we have like Well, I don't have a makeup artist, but you know, you have like maybe an esthetician or something, but like in dermatology, we are treating like the whole body, the scalp, the face, your body care. We do nails, we do hair. So it's really comprehensive. And even with that, so dandruff, You know, everyone is like, oh, so simple. Like, it's just dandruff, but it is one of actually the most complicated things to treat, I would say, as well, because it exists on this spectrum with something that we call seborrheic dermatitis, which essentially has all the features of dandruff, the itching, the flaking, but it also has inflammation, visible, you know, redness on the skin. And this really can. Impact people's lives, you know, the visible flakes, but also the symptoms of itching. And I think itch is the worst symptom, you know, to have. But even though this is something that we treat all of the time, we actually understand also very little about it we know that there is definitely a role with genetics so you can run in families the dandruff tends to occur in on the scalp of course but you can get seborrheic dermatitis on the severe end of the spectrum in any area that has like a high concentration of sebum so yeah your eyebrows around your nose on the chest like especially in guys with like a hairy chest wow. they can get that there too. Yeah, and so we know oil production, genetics, inflammation for sure, hormones which influence our oil production. And then there's the case of this pesky little thing that lives on our skin called uh, Malassezia. It's a, a little yeast that lives on us. Of course, not an infection, not anything bad, but in the presence of those four other things, it it can create some issues. See, and that's the thing that's so hard. When a client comes to
2: you and they're like I have flakes or like, I'm itchy. Are you immediately like it's dandruff or it's this form of dermatitis? Or are you like, uh, okay, this could be so many different things.
1: Like I have no idea. Oh my gosh. <laughs> In Durham, there's like over 3000 skin conditions. So I'm always like, is this the one? But of course, <laughs> you know, I keep a straight face and I, I look at the scalp and I'll, I'll do my full exam because yeah, most likely it's dandruff, but Eczema, psoriasis, uh, you know, even like rosacea on the face can look similar to seborrheic dermatitis on the face. And so I always have to be like an investigator when it comes to to that.
2: (laughs) Do you think there's anything people get wrong
1: about dandruff? Yeah, you know, I think there's a, a ton of misconceptions, especially since it affects over half of Americans. You know, you get marketing involved and then the blogs. And then even, even when i um, like, I see patients, I have to occasionally go and Google what is out there right now that I have to dispel, <laughs> mm. you know. Um, so with dandruff, I know there is a misconception that, oh, well, just, you know, just wash your hair more it'll it'll get better and sometimes that can help but ultimately we talked about like you know the role of genetics and and things so there's a limit to those sorts of behaviors and sometimes you do need professional help
0: and on that note when you're talking about genetics and you're diagnosing all of these different kinds of patients from you know all walks of life are you noticing like is there any research done on like who primarily has dandruff like is it men, female, you know, people of, you know, specific ethnicity, like, what are you finding?
1: Great question. You know, like, there isn't a ton, because unfortunately, people don't think dandruff is like the most exciting topic. (laughs) Like I do. (laughs) There isn't a ton of research. But the data that's out there suggests that dandruff is you know very common as we talked about and that there isn't necessarily a group that's affected more than another group in terms of like gender or ethnicity but with seborrheic dermatitis there seems to be a uh, more impact on men and that could be a testament to the hormonal sebum control that we talked about, and men tend to be more oily. So for sure, there's that. And then there was one study in 2010 that showed that there was a slightly higher population affected by dandruff with Asians and those of African descent. So there, of course, we need a ton more research, but there's definitely something there. And especially with the gender distribution as well. Dang.
0: Is there anything about like age group? Like,
1: <laughs> She's like, what's the tea? What's the tea? <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, um, you have you ever heard of Cradle Cow?
0: Um, yes, because I have a one-year-old.
1: Oh. Poor baby. My my daughters both had it too. So that is a form of dandruff and it tends to affect babies age zero to up to three months. That is one peak of dandruff. We see another peak around puberty. Again, that story of hormones. And this is with more seborrheic dermatitis than dandruff, but we do see that peak. And then we also see a peak in seborrheic dermatitis later in life, especially in men and in people who have certain conditions like immunocompromised with HIV, neurologic conditions like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, and then even Down syndrome. So there's definitely something there in terms of these peaks in terms of age. And I think the sebum production definitely plays a role with all of that
2: yeah, I was going to say, is it like, like, maybe women experiencing like menopause, like, could that be a peak?
1: We don't see that a ton,
2: interesting, interesting,
1: yeah. I mean, we definitely see female adult acne, like, oh my God, you know, but I, that's a great point. I don't see that a ton.
2: <laughs> I'm like fascinated by hormones. I literally was just texting with Sarah <laughs> about this, how we're like, yeah, we're gonna go get our hormones checked because what's going on here and I think like we think of puberty when we think of hormones we don't think of like different markers in life where like we definitely do have hormonal changes I find it fascinating that like that form of dermatitis I can never say what is it seborrheic (laughs) seborrheic dermatitis I I cannot say it properly oh my god yeah (laughs) literally every time you say it I'm like chef's kiss she's killing it (laughs) (laughs) couldn't be me couldn't be me So when somebody is experiencing dandruff, what are a few crucial things that they should avoid? Like you said, so
1: many myths to dispel. What are you constantly telling people to stay away from? Oh my God, Kirby, can I just make one comment on the last thing you said? Yes. Because it was so profound because a lot of my patients feel the same way. They're like, no, 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 no. Like this for sure is impacted by my hormones. And they'll go, like, they'll go to their gynecologist or their internal medicine doctor and they'll get their hormones checked and everything's normal. And like, I'll tell them, like, for example, with acne or even sometimes with seborrheic dermatitis, that sometimes it's not a hormone level as much as it is a shift Mm. in your, you know, these peaks and valleys in our hormones and our, our bodies changes like with puberty, like this shift can be enough to trigger some skin conditions.
2: Oh, that's interesting because like you may go and get your hormones checked and be looking for something that's maybe like off the charts or something that's like extremely, extremely low or whatever. And when that, when it comes back like fairly normal for like your age, you're you're thinking like, okay, then what's the deal? But you're saying like, no, it actually isn't like outlier per se. It's maybe just the shift in how your hormones change as you as you age. That's incredible. I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank
2: you for mentioning that. Okay. So what should we avoid when it comes to dandruff? Like what are we staying away from? So many
1: things, Kirby. (laughs) Like I think the most important thing is, especially if you're inching towards seborrheic dermatitis, you now have inflammation. So the tendency with anything flaky and especially if it's itchy is to scratch it. And I know that a lot of my patients with dandruff get like those combs. And and it's just like, we're scratching and scraping our scalp. And it's like, no, that's creating Mm. more inflammation. We should be doing calming things and we should do targeted treatment, you know, towards what the cause is. And so that would be targeting the yeast population on the scalp, targeting the oil and targeting the, the flakes and targeting the inflammation. And are you doing that with like prescriptions Yeah. You know, it depends on where the person is in their course. A lot of people with dandruff don't ever make it to a dermatologist because it's a huge burden of disease. So I think that there are definitely options over the counter for more mild dandruff. And I really love the Neutrogena scalp therapy, anti-dandruff line, because there's a different spectrum of strengths of the active ingredient, which is salicylic acid. So we're so familiar with salicylic acid for our face, but important that our scalp is skin too. (laughs) So things that can work on our face actually, you know, there's a ton coming out now. Things that can work on our face actually work on the skin on our scalp as well in their own unique ways. But salicylic acid does a great job of controlling oil and breaking up the flakes, like loosening them up so that they can shed from the skin. And we have this buildup of flakes in even the most mild dandruff that can really benefit from that. So depending on the severity, you can kind of go with a different strength of salicylic acid in that line.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting that they went that route too because they could have just put out one product that has salicylic acid in it, but like instead they really kind of customized based on different strokes for different folks. Like some people need a stronger
1: application than others. Yeah, absolutely. And also, like depending on your hair type, like I tend to recommend for more textured or curly hair, I tend to recommend a lower strength of salicylic acid. It can be a little, you know, less drying because sebum at the end of the day is actually a good thing. It only is bad when we overproduce it or when it's causing dandruff or seborrheic dermatitis. But the purpose of sebum is to coat the hair and protect it. And it also coats the skin on the scalp too. So we do need it. And so in curlier hair types, that sebum has a really tough time making it from the scalp all the way to the ends of the hair. So we really want to make sure that we're not like removing too much of that protection of sebum.
2: On that note, Dr. Robinson, I just wanted to ask, when it comes to inflammation with dandruff and stuff like that, like should we be avoiding hot showers? Is there anything else that we should avoid like in terms of like taking care of our scalp? Or like are we using too much dry shampoo? (laughs)
1: You're like, just tell yeah.
2: me, Like, <laughs> this is our personal consult with you. So just tell us. <laughs> or I took out all the dry shampoo
0: in like my room. So I w- would stop using it. That was like the only way that I would stop using it. And now I like always reaching for it. I know that like not all dry shampoos are created equal. And that now I'm taking over this question, but I just wanted to, to ask if that is contributing to a problem. <laughs>
1: You know, honestly, I don't really have an issue with dry shampoo, but I do see what you said, Sarah, tend to happen. And it's like, (laughs) it's like, do I wash today or do I reach for that dry shampoo one more time? So at the point that it's like delaying (laughs) a hair wash, then yeah. But the dry shampoo in and of itself is, is not. Is not the problem, I don't think. But yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely other hair care practices that people with or without dandruff can do to that are healthier. And I think avoiding hot water is one of them. I recommend that for all of the skin, you know, and that includes the scalp. I think like those combs and things we talked about earlier should be avoided. I know that some people are like, I tread lightly on that topic because I know some people like culturally, like that is something that they do to help like stimulate blood flow and things. But in the case of dandruff, it it may potentially exacerbate the inflammation there. Yeah. And then I think just generally keeping with a consistent cleansing and conditioning cycle is one of the most important things that you can do for your scalp health.
2: Like, are you saying we need to wash our hair every day? every other day i mean i'm sure this is the answer that we hear from all of our esteemed doctors it
1: depends i know i always i always want to give an answer it's just so hard so you know because it depends on like i said the sebum production your hair type like your lifestyle are you working out a lot are you sweating a lot so uh you know for example me i wash my hair once a week and that's totally fine and it depends on the season, too, because it's dry and cold in Chicago. So once a week is perfect for me right now. In the middle of summer, it's twice a week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It really does just depend. Yeah. Okay. So then can dandruff be cured?
0: What is the long game? Or, you know, once you've, you know, think
1: you've cured it,
0: can it come back?
1: So no, unfortunately there isn't a cure for dandruff. We do know that it has those peaks as we mentioned. And so like my whole job and role as a dermatologist is to provide the best treatment, like the best control that I can so that someone is maybe using a product frequently, but it's not at front of mind for them and hope that they outgrow this phase of their life. But, you know, my favorite thing to to say to people with dandruff or seborrheic dermatitis is that this is also the very thing that's keeping you looking young. Your skin is so hydrated that all that sebum production. And I try and make it into a positive so that they're not like, I have to use this for the rest of my life. Totally. (laughs)
2: Totally. I know. It's like you want to find the silver lining, of course. Like if you're producing sebum, that's like always a good thing. And Sarah, this kind of adds on to your question. Have you ever prescribed Accutane for someone with
1: extreme dermatitis, like especially like dandruff? No, not for dandruff. However, a lot of my acne patients have dandruff because you think about the sebum production that's clogging the pores and creating the acne. And then so to the point that I often ask my acne patients that come in for acne, like, do you also have dandruff? Because they don't want to bring it up. I have prescribed Accutane for acne. I don't know that I've done like a formal study on, or like survey of my patients about whether their dandruff has gotten better, because I probably also treated it at the same time. But I will say that like for my patients with female adult acne, who I tend to prescribe a bit more of this other medication called spironolactone, that they notice that their hair is less oily and that... Maybe they have to wash less frequently. So there is something there. Interesting. Are there
2: any specific prescriptions that you suggest for like they've done everything? They've come in time after time and they're like, we've hit a wall. It's nothing is working. Like the salicylic acid isn't happening for me. Like, what do I do now? Like, what would you prescribe to them?
1: Oh yeah. So, you know, it depends on what component is like most prominent, but oftentimes it's the inflammation. And so I will often prescribe like a topical steroid, like a solution that they can use in their scalp. And I find that if I'm able to have them do that consistently for a few weeks, I can kind of knock out that inflammation and give them a little bit of like a break and then reset so that they can go back to their shampoos or whatever their regular treatment is and it. It's much better. And it's almost like, you know, their rescue medication essentially.
2: Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I know like steroids are a controversial cuz it's like you know hard to get them off when you go on and stuff like that for some people but it sounds like in your experience like you've been able to kind of like wean them off and then they can go back to their normal routine.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And so I'm very specific about how they should use it and within those guidelines most people do very very well.
0: So you touched on acne you touched on hormones changing but are there any other like related skin issues or health issues that you
1: should be aware of if you see that you are experiencing dandruff so not necessarily with dandruff but with seborrheic dermatitis which is the more severe end of the spectrum if you say had had no symptoms or changes yesterday and all of a sudden you developed seborrheic dermatitis, like on your scalp, eyebrows, around your nose and your chest, and it's just rip roaring and flaring, that to a dermatologist would signal us to do some further investigation because we sometimes see that scenario happen in patients who are immunocompromised, whose immune systems you know have been dampened. So that's pretty rare, <laughs> but I would say that That would be the main thing to kind of look out for on my end when I see a patient with separate dermatitis. Okay. We have reached
2: the end of this conversation, Dr. Robinson, but we have one last question and we want you to walk us through an at-home dandruff routine that could help someone out there right now that's listening. They're like, listen, I can't get into a derm, but I'm looking for some options here. Walk us through, like, what are they doing in the shower? What are they doing, you know, in the morning? Tell us.
1: Yeah, so I think that a lot of the dandruff shampoos out there are pretty drying. So (laughs) they maybe aren't the best for the hair. So I am very specific about shampoos that I recommend and how they're used. So walking through a daily routine, I would say you can start with a moisturizing shampoo, like something you know and love that you know that after you wash your hair, it tends to feel like pretty hydrated and not stripped. You can start with that. And then you can follow it with a dedicated dandruff shampoo, like the Daily Control like from Neutrogena scalp therapy, that one has 1.8% salicylic acid, so it's safe enough that you could use it daily and you would concentrate it on your scalp. So I tell patients that this is almost like a scalp treatment. Don't think of it as a shampoo per se, just really focus it on the scalp and let it sit for a little bit so that the active ingredients can do their job. Then you rinse that out and I would always follow it with a conditioner. Always, always, of course, concentrate on the ends of the hair, but make sure that you're coating the hair with the shampoo. Um, and that would be my routine. You can style it after, do something fun.
2: <laughs> we didn't even have a, a question about like heat styling or anything, but like, is it okay to blow dry? Like, can we blow dry our hair? Or should you like towel dry it? Like let it air
0: dry? Yeah. What's the best method for dandruff?
1: I would say there's not necessarily... A restriction on how you can style your hair. But while you're using an anti-dandruff shampoo, it's probably a good idea to follow a less is more approach, not overdo it. Okay. So air dry, fam, air dry for a little (laughs) bit. I
0: have a question that's sort of related to dandruff, sort of not. It's more of a scalp question. Like you are talking about, you know, obviously using scalp treatment if you have dandruff, but for those of us who maybe don't have dandruff or have a little bit, let's say like there's been this like surge in scalp care products, like all of a sudden there's just like so much of it. What are your thoughts? Like, should we be using like a scalp product like once or twice a week, every day? Are we doing too much?
1: Are we doing too little? So I love the attention on scalp, especially like just the, basically the skinification of it. Like we're we're recognizing that it's skin. I love that. I do just like, the products for the face can get a bit much. I do get concerned about us doing too many steps for the scalp, especially if we don't know what we're doing and we get like into more irritation and inflammation. So that's my only fear, but I love um, the concept of like some of the scalp serums that are coming out. And it's like, yeah, sometimes we're just dry. Maybe we don't have dandruff. Maybe we went too much in with that shampoo and we're, we're just dry. So I think it's a great, it's a great direction. Awesome. Dr. Robinson,
2: you're amazing. So fun. Just so bright. And I say bright, meaning like you like laugh. Like sometimes we get doctors on here and it's so, you know, like you make dandruff. Yeah. Fun. It's, it, this is like a fun <laughs> conversation. So thank you for being like a ray of sunshine. We appreciate it. I mean, who knew we could make dandruff this fun? (laughs) Yeah. You like, you give hope to your patients.
0: Like I can tell, like people walk away from appointments with you being like, yes, I dandruff is, it's going to be fine. We're going to be okay.
1: We're going to be just fine. Yeah. (laughs) Dr.
2: Robinson, where can everybody find you online? And if they live in the Chicago area, tell us more about your practice.
1: Yeah. You can find me so many places. (laughs) You can find me online on Instagram, it's my main social platform at C Robinson MD, But I've also branched out into some other weird weird platforms. Like I have a TikTok, same thing, C Robinson MD, at all of them, but TikTok, YouTube, and Pinterest. You can find me on Pinterest. Yeah.
2: Okay, girl. We're getting the doctors mm-hmm. on Pinterest now. <laughs> that, that's actually a great platform for derms. It's germs. so great.
0: Absolutely yeah. <laughs> necessary
2: with all
1: the other uh-huh. information
2: that's floating around on those Pinterest cards. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. And then um, my practice is Tone Dermatology. We're in Chicago's South Loop. We just opened in 2020, so we're almost two years old. So come check us out. We also have like online e-commerce for people who are interested in like the products that we carry. So that's tonedermatology.com slash shop.
0: All right, that's it. Thank you everyone for listening. We will be back on Tuesday with the week's most buzzy beauty news.
2: Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews. And if you want to support us, be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on all platforms and join our Facebook group. Plus, find
0: every product we recommend on our website, GlossAngelespod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. You can follow us, your hosts. I'm Sarah Tan. That's S-A-R-A-T-A-N on all social platforms.
2: And I'm Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E on all social platforms. Los Angeles was created by us, Kirby Johnson and Sarah Tan. It's part of the ACAST network and licensed by Vice Media Group.